So then let's start the Dhamma talk with the Namo Tassa. Namo Tassa Bhagavata Arahato Samma Sambhutasa Namo Tassa Bhagavata Arahato Samma Sambhutasa Namo Tassa Bhagavata Arahato Samma Sambhutasa At the end of my summer talk last night, I mentioned the Metta Sutta and how the Metta Sutta came into existence, what the circumstances were under which the Buddha taught this discourse on loving kindness to a group of monks. And so to get so that you get an idea of what this Metta Sutta is all about, uh, I will read it, an English translation. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud and demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove, Wishing in gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outward and unbounded, free from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, 
the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. So this is an English translation of the Metta Sutta, or the Discourse on Loving-Kindness. So this is the ideal, to live with any ill will, not to deceive other beings, not to despise other living beings, and not wishing harm for other living beings. But instead, one should have, (coughs) with a boundless heart, one should cherish all living beings and radiate kindness over the entire world. And one should do this whether standing or walking, seated or lying down. So this means that at all times, throughout the day, in all our waking hours, one should sustain this recollection or one should sustain this kind-hearted attitude. So this is a very noble aspiration. It would be wonderful if we could at all times dwell or live with a heart suffused with metta. But unfortunately our deluded mind does not allow to maintain this state at all times. So as we are practicing metta meditation and trying to develop and strengthen this beneficial state of heart or mind, so we can keep this aspiration in mind and get better at it gradually, step by step. Especially at the beginning of metta meditation practice, the mind gets very frequently distracted. The mind thinks about the past, makes plans for the future, or gets uh, involved with some unresolved issues. We know from our own experience the mind delights in roaming about the past or in creating fantasies about the future. And on top of that, another frequent occurrence are thoughts of resentment or hatred and dislike. So if somebody has created a lot of suffering to us, or if somebody just has been the cause for some slight irritation, usually people very quickly and almost automatically get caught up in thoughts of anger or ill will, resentment. Because From our point of view, it seems so obvious that the cause of our anger or ill will, resentment, lies out there with the other person. So it's the blame is with the other person, 
we are without blame. We are not at fault, at least, so we think. And these thoughts of resentment, anger, or uh, dislike are actually very juicy thoughts because they heighten the sense of self. Although in a way we know they are uh, unpleasant, being caught in anger, is not something very pleasant. But still, at times it's very difficult to get rid of this anger. Although we would like to be free from this anger, not to have it any longer, but still it's there, it comes up again and again. And this is because the mind somehow takes delight in these thoughts of resentment, anger, um, because dwelling on that, this uh, strengthens the sense of self. And this is what the deluded mind wants. So, anger, resentment, ill will are very seductive emotions because they enhance a strong sense of self. And then it's very obvious the fault lies out there. We, we are not at fault. The cause for our anger was with that other person, with the words he or she said, and so on. And so, if we are not aware of these thoughts of resentment or anger, or if we just let them roam in the mind, so then we will get caught by them again and again and again and again. And so, also in our meta-meditation practice, it happens that while trying to develop thoughts of loving-kindness, somehow this incident of a few years ago pops up in our mind where we were really hurt by another person. And even though we don't have a conscious intention to dwell on this thought, it comes up again and again and again. So, you know, there are different ways or possibilities to deal with these kinds of thoughts. And one day, one way to deal with these thoughts of resentment or um, dislike, anger, is to deal with them with forgiveness. Actually, forgiveness, to practice uh, forgiveness, is a very good way to start the retreat. And not only a retreat should be started with forgiveness, but actually it would be good to start each day with forgiveness. So forgiveness is a way of letting go of the past and come to terms with it. It's a renewal, a new start, a fresh beginning. As we forgive another person or ourselves for whatever harm or suffering that has been uh, done, our hearts 
uh, become lighter and open wounds can start to heal. So when we engage in a forgiveness practice, first we should forgive ourselves for any harm or suffering that we have caused to other sentient beings. And then the next step is that we should forgive any that we should forgive ourselves for any harm or suffering that we have caused to ourselves. So first we forgive other beings if they have harmed us. Second, we forgive ourselves if we have harmed us. And third, uh, we should forgive other living beings for the harm or suffering that they have created for us. And to do that, we can use uh, some phrases which go along these lines. For example, in many ways I have caused harm and suffering to other beings. I forgive myself. And as we are doing metta meditation practice, so we can add, may these beings be free from suffering. Then the second step is, in many ways I have caused harm and suffering to myself. I forgive myself. May I be free from suffering. And then the third step is, in many ways I have been harmed by others. I forgive them all. May all these beings be free from their suffering. So forgiveness does not mean that we approve of an unwholesome or even unlawful deed that has been done. Rather, the practice of forgiveness is an unburdening of the heart of the burning heat that usually accompanies thoughts of resentment, anger, or ill will. So the practice of forgiveness can greatly reduce or even completely destroy the the fuel that is needed to keep these fires going. If we do not forgive ourselves and others, then we continue to live with these thoughts of resentment, dislike, anger, hatred and in will. Or we constantly bear a grudge against another person who has harmed us in some way or another. And all these thoughts are actually like poison for the heart, poison for our mind. So this Thoughts of anger or resentment can be compared to uh, swallowing poison ourselves and then expecting the enemy to die of it. Isn't it so that when we dwell in thoughts of anger and resentment, somehow we still hope that 
the other person uh, will suffer on account of that. Somehow that our anger uh, makes this other person feel worse because she or he has really deserved it because he or she has hurt myself. And as we may have experienced for ourselves, as long as these kinds, these thoughts of resentment or anger uh, are present in our mind, then it's also almost impossible to, to develop thoughts of loving kindness. Especially when we choose that particular person as the object of our metta meditation. And so, one way uh, to deal with these thoughts is to engage in forgiveness, in a forgiveness practice. So when we have been hurt by another person, by another being, when we think that we are the victim of the other person's deed, then we look at the situation from a a wrong angle or from a misguided point of view. And of course this uh, misguided point of view comes from a deluded uh, perception of who we are, what we are and what the world in general is. Uh, on the base of a deluded mind there comes about a sense of me, of self. And so then it's the me, the self, that has been hurt. And so then this me, the self, uh, wants to do something about it. So if we do not forgive ourselves and others, then we carry this resentment or accusation with us for many days, sometimes even for weeks, sometimes even for years. And this can be a very heavy burden that weighs down our mind. Actually, it's quite unnecessary baggage and uh, it's just heavy and on top of that it occupies a lot of space in our mind. To demonstrate the excess baggage that overweight people carry uh, with them, they are given a backpack which is as heavy as they are overweight. And so, let's say if a person is 20 kgs overweight, then this person is given a backpack of 20 kgs and so then this person has to carry a, carry around this backpack for a couple of hours and carrying 20 kgs on your back is quite heavy and uh, so then finally if the person can put, put down this backpack the person feels quite relieved And so in the same way, 
we could feel very relieved if we were able to put down all these thoughts of resentment and anger. If we could, uh, if we could put down this unnecessary baggage through the practice of forgiveness. And then, after having paved the way with forgiveness, it will be much easier to develop pure and genuine metta. I have already mentioned it uh, a few times that the effects or the benefits that come from the metta uh, practice are manifold. The beneficial results of uh, metta are vast and sometimes even quite amazing or unexpected. In the Buddhist scriptures, 11 benefits of metta are mentioned. So these 11 benefits can be experienced by any person uh, who engages in metta meditation practice. And so these 11 benefits are, the first is, a person falls asleep happily. The second benefit is, a person will wake up happily. And the third benefit is, a person has no bad dreams, no nightmares. The next one is, the person will be loved by humans. And the next benefit, the person is loved by non-humans. The sixth benefit is that the person will be protected by devas. The seventh benefit is, is that that person is protected from dangers caused by fire, weapons, and poison. Then benefit number eight is that that person can concentrate his or her mind easily. Benefit number nine is that this person's facial expression is clear and serene. The next benefit is at the time of death, the person's mind is not confused and so that person can die peacefully. And the last of these 11 benefits is that if the person is not already an arahant, already fully liberated, then the person will be reborn in the Brahma realm. So I will uh, elaborate a little bit on these 11 benefits. The first three benefits have to do with our sleep. The first one being able to fall asleep happily, the second one waking up happily, and the third one uh, not to have bad dreams, not to have nightmares. As we know, to have a good and sound sleep is quite important. Sleep is the time uh, for the body 
to take rest and to regenerate. And so if our sleep is disturbed by nightmares or otherwise disturbed because our mind is agitated or upset, so then if we do not sleep well and soundly, in the morning when we wake up and want to get up, the body doesn't really feel rested. The body may feel very heavy, sluggish. So, sleep is a little time for the body to recuperate, to regenerate, so that then the next day the body and also the mind is ready to go through the day. And if one is not able to sleep well, then uh, disturbed sleep will also cause uh, sicknesses of one kind or another, or it can even affect the mind. So, put in other words, metta, or doing metta, one can also just do it before one goes uh, to sleep. Metta is the best sleeping pill. (laughs) And it's safe. It has no bad side effects. So the next benefit is that a person who is endowed with metta, full of loving kindness, then that person is loved by humans. So imagine there are two persons in front of you. One is a very gentle, kind and soft-spoken person and the other one is an angry, harsh and a very uptight person. So now, if you had to spend one hour with one of these persons, Which one would you choose? I think it's quite obvious (laughs) which of these two persons uh, you want uh, to be with for this hour. Or if one of these two persons obviously needed some help. For example, uh, this person just discovered that uh, the car has a flat tire So, having these two kinds of persons, to which person would you more spontaneously go up and extend your help? The kind and soft person or the very angry and harsh person? And so, if you are a kind, loving, generous person, then it's more likely that you will be liked and loved by other human beings, that they uh, seek your company, that they want to associate with you. The next benefit is that a person who is filled with loving kindness is also loved by non-humans, by 
uh, other kinds of beings. And with animals, this uh, is quite obvious. For example, a cat or a dog would rather go up and sit next to a kind and friendly person than go and sit next to a very uptight and angry person. And as there are also other beings that we cannot see with our eyes, but it's quite obvious that they too uh, seek the company of kind and gentle uh, beings so that you get the love from invisible beings as well. The next benefit is that the person whose mind and heart is filled with metta is protected by devas. And we have already encountered devas a few times. I mentioned devas a few times so far, saying that they are some kind of heavenly beings, celestial beings. And actually the word deva means a shining one. So devas are said to be very beautiful. Their body shines, it luminous, radiating. And devas, they do have a spontaneous birth. They are not born from a womb, but they spontaneously appear. Like, boom, here they are. And when devas are born, uh, they don't have to go through childhood, but they are born as 16-year-old devas, for the female devas. And it is said that male devas, they are born as 20-year-old male devas. And... You know, they have a very long lifespan and there are altogether six uh, levels of Deva realms and so in each uh, successive level the lifespan of the Devas is longer. So they have uh, thousands of years uh, to live. And, you know, once they are born then they stay 16-year-old or like 20 years old, they do not show any signs of aging. So they always look young, attractive, beautiful, shining. Only very short before death, the signs of approaching death will manifest. And so, for example, like devas always adorn themselves with flowers. And so then when death is approaching, these flowers start to wither. Or another manifestation is that sweat will come out under the armpits. They get a bit smelly there. <laughs> or, you know, the clothes that they are wearing and which are throughout their lives also shining, having nice colors, so then the colors of the clothes also start to fade. 
And so when these signs manifest, the devas know that their death is very close, that they soon have to die. And it is said that in the deva realms, the devas enjoy a great variety of sense pleasures. They have excellent food and drink. There are musicians that entertain the devas. Everything looks nice, orderly. They live in um, big mansions, have nice parks and gardens, beautiful flowers and trees. So the, the descriptions of the Devarams are a bit like paradise. <laughs> and in Burma, um, you know, when people ask me from uh, which country I come from, and when I tell them that I'm from Switzerland, then sometimes I have heard the commentary that, oh, like Switzerland is the Deva realm on earth. I don't know. <laughs> so, these beings, the Devas, they are also said to extend their protections to those who are endowed with metta, to those whose heart and mind is filled with kindness, with friendliness, with benevolence. And so that protection is manifold. And last night, when I explained how the Metta Sutta came into existence, we have seen that the monks coming back to that forest are then the Devas. In that case, they were earthbound Devas. They extended their protection to the monks, so protected them from any other dangers, outer dangers that could uh, cause a disturbance in the monks' meditation practice. Many years ago, I heard quite an amazing story from a foreigner who was somewhere trekking in Nepal. And at one stage, they had to walk on a very, very narrow path on a mountain slope that was almost vertical. So there was this sheer drop down for hundreds of meters. So the path was very narrow. And then it happened that um, some Nepali people came the other way. And so to cross on that narrow path and having this sheer drop of several hundred meters was quite a thing. So the Nepali people that this foreigner was with, they did okay, managed to get by each other. But the foreigner, when he tried to kind of get around, he lost his balance and started to fall backwards. And he thought, that's the end of it. But then, he said, as he was sort of falling backward, he felt something like a hand pushing his body back upright. And so, then he managed to get around and uh, he didn't die. 
So who knows who or what that was, but it could have well been some devas uh, protecting him. The next benefit of metta is that a person fully endowed with metta is protected from dangers caused by fire, weapon, and poison. So that these dangers, fire, poison, or a weapon, cannot harm or hurt uh, this person. In the scriptures, there are several stories to illustrate this point. Just to mention uh, one very briefly. Uh, Sirima, who hold a grudge against a woman called Uttara, uh, thought of how to harm her. And so she took a cup of hot boiling oil and walked towards Uttara, wanting it, wanting to pour it over her to cause harm. But Uttara, being fully endowed with thoughts of loving kindness and not harboring any grudge or ill will towards Sirima, although she saw clearly what she was going to do, but by the power of her being filled with metta, then when Sirima poured the oil over her body, it is said that it didn't cause her any pain, but actually for Uttara it felt as if it was cool, fresh water poured over her body. So in the course of this uh, meditation retreat, in our daily uh, metta meditation practice, I will tell you more stories illustrating this point and others. And I might tell you this story uh, in its full context. Then the next benefit is that a person endowed with metta is able to concentrate easily. So through the practice of metta meditation, we weaken the defilements or we can even extinguish them for the time being. So then there are no defilements like loba forms of wanting, craving, attachment, no defilements of dosa, no forms of aversion, hatred, ill will, and so on. And so, when these defilements are not burning in the mind, then the mind being freed from these burning defilements uh, is naturally it is naturally happening that the mind can concentrate more easily. Because a mind that is free from the defilements is calm, it's clear, and it easily settles on the object of meditation. 
Then the next benefit is benefit is that a person endowed with metta, his or her facial expression is clear and serene. You know, we just need to look at the person who is very angry. So looking at that person's face, that face is obviously not clear, not serene. It looks rather distorted or ugly and red and sweat maybe uh, on the person's uh, forehead and so on. And on the contrary, the person who is free from dosa, from anger, also free from other defilements. So a mind free, a heart free from these defilements naturally expresses itself in a clear facial expression. And and the benefit number 10 is that the person endowed with metta at the time of death, that person's mind is not confused. Again, a mind, a heart filled with loving kindness, with benevolence, is free from the defilements. And so being free from the defilements means the mind is in a calm, peaceful state. The mind is not confused. And so with that, that person can pass away peacefully. And the last of these 11 benefits is that a person endowed with metta if that person is not already an arahant, fully enlightened, then that person will be reborn in the Brahma realm. And the Brahma realm, or Brahma realms, there are also several uh, realms, are also heavenly uh, realms of existence. And there the life span is even longer than the lifespan of devas. And they are more sublime states of existence. So, to illustrate uh, this benefit, I'm going to tell you the story of the Brahmin Dananjani. This Brahmin Dananjani was a very wealthy man from the town of Rajagaha. And he was friendly with Venerable Sariputta. Venerable Sariputta was one of the main disciples of the Buddha. Venerable Sariputta was said to be the one foremost in wisdom, only second to the Buddha. And so, as this uh, Brahmin, Dananjani, was already quite old, then one day he fell sick. And his uh, health dege- uh, degenerated quite quickly. And uh, he realized that probably he was soon going to die. And so 
he called for Venerable Sariputta. He wanted to see him uh, again before uh, he was going to die. And so Venerable Sariputta went to Dananjani's house and entered his room and said, Dananjani, how are you? How is your health? And then the Brahmin Dananjani told Venerable Sariputta that his health was not getting better, but that it was actually getting worse day by day. And so to help and support uh, Dananjani, Venerable Sariputta thought it would be helpful to give a Dhamma talk to him. And so he started his Dhamma talk by asking Dananjani several questions. So in the first question, Venerable Sariputta asked him which realm was better, the hell realm or the animal realm? And so then the Brahmin Dananjani immediately said that the animal realm was better compared to the hell realm. The next question was, which realm is better, uh, the animal realm or the peta realm? And so then Tananjani answered that the peta realm was better than the animal realm. And petas are kind of hungry ghosts. And the next question that Venerable Sariputta asked was, which realm is better? the Peta realm or the human realm? And again, Dananjani immediately answered, the human realm. And then, Venerable Sariputta asked, and what about the human realm and the Deva realm? And again, without hesitating, Dananjani said, the Deva realm is better. And so, Venerable Sariputta went through the six uh, levels uh, of the Deva realms and then asked him, and now, which one is better, the Deva realm or the Brahma realm? And as soon as Dananjani heard the word Brahma, his eyes lightened up. There was kind of a brightening up uh, on his face. And very quickly he said that the Brahma realm was better than the Deva realm. And so Venerable Sariputta thought that this was uh, quite a precious moment. And so he decided to teach Dananjani how to reach the Brahma realm because it seemed obvious there was kind of an affinity with this Brahma realm. And so then, Venerable Sariputta gave Dananjani the instructions on how to develop metta, on how to uh, practice metta meditation. And he told him to practice it uh, in the ten directions. So, develop metta for living beings in the eastern direction, then develop it to beings in the western direction, and so on, uh, through the ten directions. 
as we have come to see this afternoon in the Metta chant. And he told him, you know, take a phrase like, may all living beings in the eastern direction be happy and peaceful and apply that to all the ten directions. And so after Venerable Sariputta had instructed Dananjani how to develop metta, then uh, he left him and went back to the Veluvana monastery. And Dananjani, taking Venerable Sariputta's advice to heart, started to develop loving-kindness in the ten directions and on account of his paramis, he was um, able to even reach the jhanas. And so his mind became really absorbed in the object uh, of metta. And as he was practicing it, while he was absorbed in the jhana, he passed away. And as a result of that, was born as a Brahma, born in one of the Brahma realms. When Venerable Sariputta had uh, arrived back at the Veluvana monastery, where the Buddha was also residing at the time, he went straight to the Buddha and told him his conversation with this Brahmin, Dananjani, told him what he... Uh, had taught him. When the Buddha heard that, instead of praising Venerable Sariputta, he actually reproached him. And he asked Venerable Sariputta why he didn't teach Dhananjani the way to overcome all kinds of suffering why he only taught him a practice that would lead him to a rebirth in the Brahma realm. So basically saying, why didn't you teach him Vipassana meditation? Because it's only through the practice of Vipassana meditation that one can abandon all the causes of suffering and therefore attain to true happiness and peace. And so Venerable Sariputta understood what the Buddha was telling him and immediately, by his supernormal powers, went to the Brahma realm and gave another talk to that Brahma Dananjani, now basically instructing him in the practice of Vipassana meditation. And, he said, and it is said that later on uh, Dhanajani uh, yeah, attained Nirvana or became fully uh, liberated. So these are the 11 benefits that one can experience if one uh, engages in the development of loving kindness. So just to repeat them briefly. One falls asleep happily, one wakes up happily, 
one has no nightmares, no bad dreams, one is loved by humans, one is loved by non-humans, one is protected by devas, there is protection from dangers caused by fire, weapon and poison, one can concentrate one's mind easily, one's facial expression is clear and serene, at the time of death one's mind is not confused and so one can die peacefully. And lastly, if one is not already fully liberated, one is reborn as a Brahma in the Brahma realm. So all of these benefits, or at least some of them, can be experienced by any person who engages in the development of metta. So if one wants to experience all of them, then one would need to uh, practice metta to the point where one is able to attain the jhanas. But the benefits of metta are not limited to these 11 benefits mentioned in the scriptures. As experience shows, there are many more benefits that one can experience through uh, one's own practice. Again, in the course of this retreat, I will tell you many more meta stories which will illustrate the sometimes unexpected results or the amazing effect that this practice can have. So to finish this talk, I want to read a quote from Gandhi, who was also firmly believing in kindness and non-violence. In 1931, Gandhi wrote, whether mankind will consciously follow the law of love, I do not know. But that need not perturb us. The law will work, just as the law of gravitation will work, whether we accept it or not. And just as a scientist will work wonders out of various applications of the laws of nature, even so, a man who applies the law of love with scientific precision can work great wonders. And using the word love here is, of course, in the sense of metta. So may all of you be able to cultivate strong, powerful and pure feelings of loving-kindness and hopefully that you also may work wonders for the benefit of living beings. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.